You're listening to Bota Podcast, World Views, with an Albanian-American perspective. On this episode, I talk to Amina. She is the creator and owner of a company called Balkan Bread. We talk about her heritage of being Bosnian, not only sells products and clothing, but she also shares a story with everything that she does. She has a podcast that shares stories of other people in the diaspora that are doing different things. She also has a blog. She vlogs on YouTube. She does just so many different things that I've never seen any other clothing line business really do. So that's what I truly am inspired by, Amina, and I'm so grateful that I got a chance to talk to her and learn from her about entrepreneurship, her journey at such a young age. You can follow her on her Instagram at BalkanBread, B-A-L-K-A-N-B-R-E-D. Let's get into the episode. Hello, guys. Welcome back to Bota Podcast. I like to talk a lot about culture and careers. And today I have a very special episode. I'm going to be sitting down with Amina. She is the owner and creator of Balkan Bread. Tell us a little bit about you and what Balkan Bread is. Definitely. First of all, thank you for having me on your podcast. (laughs) Very honored to be here. We were talking before we started recording just about how we have a podcast as well. And I'm normally the one interviewing people. So it's, it's really cool to be in the other seat, other position, if you will, and reach another audience and just get to share my story. I think that's something that's super important. And my name is Amina Pelja. I'm 24 years old. And I was actually born and raised here in the States. So I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, people would look at me and you wouldn't think that I was Balkan. I think that's something that's really interesting about our nationality as a whole is until you see my first and last name, you have no idea. So I think that's an interesting thing. It's definitely a privilege that we have. I was born and raised here, but my family is from Bosnia. So As you can tell, my name is very common over there. And my parents are from a really small town in Herzegovina, so the southern region of the country. They're both from Stolets, which is about like 20, 30 miles from Mostar. Everyone knows where Mostar is too. So a lot of my family is still over there in that region. My mom's brother, a bunch of cousins. I have a couple of grandparents and stuff. So really cool. I do go back home pretty often. And yeah, Balkan bread transitioning into that. I'll give you just like a little snippet of what it is. Before we get into that real quick, I just want to quickly talk about your backgrounds because this podcast is like geared to Albanians. Albanians are part of the whole Balkan area. And that's why I wanted to get you on because I really like what you've been doing with your brand you're trying to include all of us in there all the balkans because i feel like we have shared similar experiences we've been through the different wars and all that stuff that's happened in that area especially on the 80s and 90s with yugoslavia and the break break of (laughs) yugoslavia because you know you being from bosnian me being from kosov our families have experienced that very similarly So into that, did your family move before that whole war thing happened? And is that why you guys kind of moved out of there? 
Yeah, so my parents left in 1994 and basically they've been dating, I think for, I don't know, maybe a year or something before the war broke out. So yeah, the war was definitely the reason, but my dad was in the Bosnian army and then my mom ended up having the opportunity to go to the United States. They actually lived in Seattle, Washington. So I almost grew up on the complete opposite side of the country. They came pretty early on. I think a lot of my friends here, they came probably like late 90s, early 2000s. So a lot of them still have that, I guess, childhood aspect of growing up in Bosnia and maybe not remembering a whole lot, but they still remember some of it, obviously. It's really interesting and funny how everything works out. So my parents came here on August 8th, uh, 1994. And then after living in Seattle for a year, they drove cross country, which is absolutely insane. I actually found the map that they used the other day. I was cleaning out this used to be my dad's office and I found a map and it literally still has highlighters and marks of when they were driving down here, which is crazy. But yeah, they moved down here and then I was born in Atlanta um, on August 8th. So same day, but two years later. So six. <laughs> so yeah, that I don't know, take that as you will, but I'm always, oh wow, that's more than a coincidence. And so it's interesting to see how that had a factor, maybe who knows on what I'm doing now and just having that whole tie to just the homeland, if you will. Like my first language was Bosnian, but I, I was definitely in one of those like ESOL programs in school, <laughs> like with all the Hispanic kids and they're just like, I don't understand because eventually your English starts to develop pretty quickly and stuff. But at home you're living with, at the time our grandparents had come a few years after and so they don't speak English. So constantly speaking Bosnian, that's pretty typical for everyone. Just assimilating into American culture is one thing, but it wasn't anything to where it was super drastic, I feel like, because I already had that advantage of growing up here, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and those experiences that your parents had obviously shapes what you do and how we approach life and see life in a different way. And that's why I feel like Balkan people can understand different struggles or they've had to overcome something because they've always dealt with something back home. And so we keep that in us, that strength and that perseverance, which every time I talk to someone, I feel like that's that backstory to persevere and try to make a better life for themselves by coming to America or going somewhere else. Unfortunately, that they had to leave their homes back there. They made that sacrifice. Our parents did that because they saw that, you know, their kids needed a better future. And that's why they came to an unknown land like America. And the fact that your parents drove all the way from the one side of the country and just drove down. Okay, we, we're just going to go down to, to the south. My dad saved up most of his money and he bought like a red like Ford Mustang. There's probably a picture somewhere. My mom was pregnant with me at the time. It wasn't obviously in a one day kind of trek thing, but I think they had to stay somewhere in Wyoming or Montana. And it was just like, I don't know what it's called when they have the dead animals like on the wall, like seeing that kind of stuff for the first time, like your first. Um, That's the deep country. Yeah, of America. <laughs> exactly. So you guys came to Atlanta 
and you went to school here. So did you get into college or university? Did you start studying a specific field or something you wanted to do? Yeah, it's interesting because I think a lot of people, when you first start college, you end up switching your major five times. That's pretty normal. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I actually never changed my major. And that's not to say that I picked it and was 100% certain about it. That was not the case at all. Just going into college, I knew I liked writing. I liked anything creative, but I didn't really know how that would translate into a profession, a career, which... I think it's pretty normal on putting that kind of pressure on someone to know what you want to do for, I don't even want to say the rest of your life because Mm -hmm. most people get a degree and it's not even what they end up doing or something like that. But yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on people. And I remember just one day talking with my mom and she was like, why don't you do something with business like marketing or something like that? Because she was working with someone at the time and she was working in marketing, um, not my mom, but her coworker. And she's like, you're pretty creative. So I was like, okay, yeah, sure. So I just declared my major as marketing. There wasn't really a whole lot that went into that per se. I just felt like I needed to pick something. And really those first two years, you don't have to know, you can just do your gen eds and things like that. I went to a four-year university. I think it's the third or fourth largest in the state of Georgia. It's Kennesaw State University, which probably never heard of unless you live down here, but it's growing. It's getting a lot bigger. So I had a really good experience in college. And yeah, I stuck with marketing for all four years. There were definitely some classes that I didn't want to take. Every business major has to take accounting, finance. I didn't like any of that stuff. A lot of those classes, which is really great, did actually prepare me in a way, not a ton, but I can think of probably three or four classes where I learned not just technical skills like Photoshop, how to make Facebook ads and things like that, but just from approaching people and like sales like that was a huge thing um, that I learned we had to take a professional selling class which at first is I just think of these middle-aged like guys like picking hands with people and stuff like that but you really learn how to like that salesman type of guy Yeah, yeah and I was like I'm not about this we have to take it so whatever but no there were a lot of different situations that put me outside of my comfort zone just in that sense of networking and connecting with people but yeah one of the classes that I took was entrepreneurship which was an accident as well Um, really I was signing up for I think it was my second to last semester of college and I needed one more class it couldn't be my major but it had to be in the business school and I didn't want to do advertising there's like hospitality marketing or something like that so okay what can I take that's maybe going to be a little bit easier because I have these other harder classes and it just popped up one day that there was one seat available for entrepreneurial mind I think that's what it was called so I just signed up it was dropout week anyway so I was like okay if I hate it I can just drop it you know no big deal kind of thing so yes I took this entrepreneurship class and I really didn't know what I was getting myself into but there were definitely a lot of different assignments that put you outside your comfort zone. And you learned a lot about yourself as well as building business on the side. I put that in quotation marks just because I think there were maybe two people in the entire class that actually had a business. The rest of us, we were just taking the class to graduate kind of thing. Not taking it, I guess, 
as seriously. I feel like I definitely took it seriously. One of our projects was basically presenting to these angel investors. So if you've ever seen Shark Tank, it was like that. Um, so pretty intimidating. Come up with a business in the semester and then all of a sudden you have to present it. And that presentation contributed to our final grade. I remember we were all super nervous about it. And yeah, it ended up going pretty well. That is nerve wracking. And you had to sit up in front of these people and tell them why they should invest in you pretty well, much. So it's not like real per se, but it definitely felt real. What I actually did, and it's weird how all of this connects, but so I didn't even have the idea for Balkan Bread when I was taking the class. I wanted to do something like totally different. So I started meeting all these different like businesswomen in Atlanta and a lot of them were doing like coaching and I thought that was cool. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe I could do coaching for other female entrepreneurs, like how to excel in your business and things like that. So that's what I frame my presentation around and quickly came to realize that I didn't really feel comfortable doing it because I had never run a business. So how am I supposed to tell people how they're going to make more money or do this or whatever, but that's okay. It didn't matter. It still gave me like a starting ground for everything. So for my presentation, I actually brought in a letter which during the war my mom and dad would write letters to each other so the red cross had a system where you could you know communicate back and forth that kind of thing so to this day like my mom still has the letters which is really cool and i found a letter that was like it was one of the last ones they had sent to each other like right before coming to the united states so for my presentation we had to do just backtracking there um we had to put up our target market and our target audience. So I basically just put up these personas of people that I'd want to work with. So I actually use one of my friends here. She's a wedding photographer and she's also Bosnian. So I basically used that entire story and was like, okay, me and her kind of have a similar story. And then I brought out the letter. I don't remember exactly how I transitioned and talking about it, but I remember it was holding stories as the forefront for differentiating that business. Had the letter and I was like, this letter is the reason that I'm standing in front of you guys today. And they all just perked up and looked at me like, what is this letter? What is she about to say? What's going on? And so I didn't translate the entire thing, but I explained what it meant, what the contents of it was. And I tied it back into obviously that business at the time, which I didn't even end up doing, but it made me realize, oh, this is a really important thing in my life. And then eventually led me to starting Balkan Bread. So that was a really long story, but I hope that made sense. Yeah, I feel like you have to give a backstory like that to get to, to understand how you got to where you are. And you said that this story or this letter made you get the spark to create Balkan bread. How so? What is it? What did it mean? And what is Balkan bread in, in a sense? Balkan bread is something that I wanted to create for all of the diaspora. So 
I didn't want it to just be Bosnian bread or something like that because I grew up having friends from all the different nationalities, good family friends that are Serbian, Croatian, Montenegrin, really doesn't matter, Albanian, if you will. So I really wanted to create something that made you feel like you weren't losing your sense of um, identity in a way, because I think coming here, growing up as first generation, it's really common to feel out of place and to have this American side of your life and then have this other completely different Balkan identity. And one of the things for me growing up was, okay, how do I balance the two? And then there are points when you try to be more American or whatever, Southern here, that's a thing. And then also holding onto your Balkan identity, it's something that makes you so different. So it can be challenging. And I think as you get older, you learn to embrace it. And so that's essentially the feeling that I wanted to create that emotional connection. So I was like, okay, what can I create? Something that's tangible, that's going to remind people of home. I remember in college, always seeing people wearing different sweatshirts and they'd have like Colorado or whatever city they'd gone to for like spring break or something. So it kind of got me thinking, okay, why can't I go to Bosnia or wherever and get a cool sweatshirt that says Sarajevo on it? And I was like, hmm, it's an interesting idea. Basically, that's how the first kind of designs were born. And I came up with a couple of other just like funny phrases and things like that, that related to our culture. And eventually that turned into our tagline, which is your little piece of home. This is your little piece of home. It's something that you can wear. Obviously, you can take it with you on a trip. You can wear it to the grocery store. It doesn't matter. And it's cool because a lot of these different items, they tend to start conversations with people and people will ask me, what does your shirt say? Or what is that? Mm. What's that city? Like I see the coordinates. I don't know what that means. And so (laughs) it's really cool. I know a lot of people have worn their coordinate sweatshirts out and about and they're like (laughs) messaging me on Instagram. People often send me stories saying, oh, I was wearing my sweatshirt and this, you know, person approached me and he was also from the Balkans. And then, you know, I told him about you and I sent him the Instagram. But just continuing that connection is really important. Yes, I love that, that you're saying everyone's connecting with each other because you don't really see those cities. You can't find them like really anywhere, especially (laughs) here. Who's going to say, oh, what is this place? Like, I don't know. So you building that for those people that are looking for that home to represent their home. It's so important. It keeps us connected to our roots and to our culture. But it also, it's done in a modern and fun, cool way. And it's that conversation starter. So it breaks the ice for a lot of people. If you're going out somewhere and you want to meet somebody and just start up a conversation and building that connection in that community. And I know that when I had talked to you and I had mentioned to you where I was from, like the smallest little city you'll never see in a map, <laughs> where my mom was born in clean Kosovo, I don't think I would ever anywhere ever find that city. And I'm so thankful that you created a shirt and put the coordinates on for that shirt. And I'm like, oh my God, wow. This is the first time I've ever seen that tiny little tiny, tiny, tiny city on a shirt. And I thought that was so special. So thank you <laughs> for doing that. Oh, no, absolutely. It's a thing where I didn't want it to just be 
these major cities and then if you're not from these major cities then you can't have a shirt I think that's wrong because everyone deserves to have a little piece of home something that they can remember and yeah what you were saying with the really small town or even like villages people Mm -hmm. will really as long as you have the latitude longitude coordinates it's possible to make it so why not which is a great thing that we can do these custom orders for people, even if they just want one shirt or something of that nature, it's totally fine. And yeah, I really, I enjoy making it. And it's crazy to see how much joy it brings people, especially when they're gifting it to someone. A lot of our orders, I would say probably like 75% of the orders that we get are gifting items that they'll give to their parents or to a relative or a friend or something like that. So I think that's where a lot of people always remember us is when they're thinking of getting a gift and they want to get something that's meaningful, but also pretty different. But at the same time, it's like you said, it's modern, it's clean, anyone can wear it. So you don't have to worry about getting something for someone and then worrying if they're going to like it or not. When did you start Balkan Bread officially? It will be this Friday. March 19th is three years. Oh, yeah. yeah, Congrats. Three years. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, that's our birthday. Yeah, pretty exciting. We didn't actually have probably a website until like October of 2018. We were doing Etsy for a while, just get the name out there and everything. And Obviously, it's a little bit more low risk, but yeah, three years, um, which is crazy and hoping to do even more. (laughs) Put everything into this, especially over this past year, just with COVID and everything going on. You have to pivot and you have to think of other ways just to continue to grow your business and serve your market and reach more people. I think that's a really big thing as well, especially people who aren't necessarily on social media. A lot of it too is word of mouth, which is interesting because I rely heavily on social media just for people who are uh, millennials, I guess you could say Gen Z, whatever, that kind of target market. They'll tell their parents about it. They'll tell their grandparents, but there's other people too. So one of the things that we want to do hopefully before the end of this year is host like a couple of pop-up shops. As long as nothing crazy major happens um, out there. But yeah, I think it'd be cool because then you can do limited runs of different colors. You can try out different items and also you get to meet everyone face to face, which I think is the coolest part. I love meeting people and just in these rare instances where I have, you know, gotten to meet people like we went to St. Louis back in October, I was going for like a family wedding, but we managed to squeeze in a photo shoot with a photographer and that was so fun like just getting to be in the community and meet different people it's scary at first because you know sometimes how Balkan people can be and you're like oh my god are they gonna think you know oh "Oh, are they gonna take me seriously are they just gonna be like who is this girl like what is she doing kind of thing but you really have to put yourself out there and I think those people who want to help you and see you succeed they're going to help you and most of our people luckily are that way so yeah anything you need I think making these relationships and connections is really important doesn't matter what kind of business they have you never know how someone can help you like later on in the long run oh that's true and building that connection like we said earlier it's so important and we're in the day and age of the online world where everything you get is online and you just order it. And 
I feel like in a way, in-person shopping is on the decline a little bit. But then again, there's still a lot of people out there that like that experience of going in and touching an object and seeing what it feels like, what it actually looks like in person. But actually, the concept, I think, I'm not like in a business thing, but the concept of building an actual storefront or like a store to sell is not as profitable than to just build an online store. But then doing those little pop-up things, I think is really genius because you still get those people in there and that experience and it's like really fun and there's a lot of people around. So I think that's really smart and that's a future, I feel like. Do you think that as well? Yeah, I've seen so many brands doing pop-up shops. I think that was started probably like two, three years ago. That was like a big thing. I remember I used to work for Airy, which is associated with American Eagle. And I remember they did a pop-up shop. It was like at a university here. And I remember literally being so excited to go. I think I even like skipped class that day just so I could go to this thing. And uh, it was really cool. Like they just had a little like a trailer or truck, but they converted it into the pop-up, like the shopping. They had everything inside. They had things outside. Like they even had a photo booth, free food. Like it was a whole like experience. And I think that's why a lot of people really enjoy those kinds of things. You could get a trailer, go to the beach and do a pop-up shop. It's crazy how mobile that can be. But it was really cool. And we even got to meet, I don't know if you're familiar with one of the Aerie models, Iskra. She's yeah. Like huge. Yeah. So I got to meet her, which was oh. really cool. Yeah. Like this was probably in like, when was this? 2015, 2016, something like that. But yeah, that's something that stayed in my mind like forever. And there's a lot that I learned just from working at that brick and mortar store for what, like four or five years. I worked there all throughout college. So I learned a lot of customer service about products and just all kinds of different things. So there's definitely an advantage to that shopping in-person experience. But at the same time, online is a great way to start if you don't have a lot of money to get started out. Because when I started this, I invested my own money and it was not a lot. I think I maybe like invested $200, you know, to print some shirts and just see what would happen. Um, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but if you don't take that first step and see what happens, then there's no way for you to move forward and to continue to scale and continue to grow. But yeah, going online, there's all kinds of options. It's very low cost. I think to start a Shopify store is 30 bucks a month and then getting mailing supplies, getting a scale. It's really nothing like too crazy. I think anybody could do it if they really wanted to. I just think a lot of people are scared because they think that if they invest a lot of money in the beginning, they're just going to become this like sensation (laughs) and that their business is going to grow in four months. And Mm -hmm. that's usually not the case. That isn't to say that you won't grow, but you have to be patient. It's not going to instantly be, you might not even make any money in the first year. Like you don't know, most businesses don't. I still was making something, which I thought was pretty great (laughs) when I first started out, but Starting online, it's lower cost, lower risk. And there's so much out there. Like you can YouTube any of this stuff and figure out how to set up an online store. So yeah, that's true. YouTube is 
amazing. <laughs> you can learn anything nowadays on the internet, <laughs> which is great because it gives people the opportunities that maybe they didn't have before to really do something that they are passionate about or really want to get into. So you do the shirts and sweatshirts, but you also do other things, other products as well. And I see you're uh, drinking your coffee from your cup. That's one of those mugs that you have made, right? That you have. I can show you. I know we're on Zoom. They can't see the mug, but I can describe it in the best way possible. Yeah. These are the glass mugs that we came out with. So they just have the saying and they have our logo on the back. Pretty durable. I have not broken one yet. So that's a really good sign because I'm always like... I, I don't know why I'm very clumsy and just things are always breaking on me or I'm just like running into things. I don't know. <laughs> so I haven't broken a mug, which is great. But this is a new product that we came out with. I believe it was in the summertime. They've done really well. A lot of people like we do have like regular mugs, but yeah, the glass mugs are very nice. Very <laughs> a little cool. bit more premium. So mm. I like that it's the clear mug. It looks really uh, modern. So tell me a little bit about being on social media, because we're talking about an online business and social media is going to be a big factor into that and building a brand, because that's what it's all about at the end of the day. You have a business, but you're also building the name, which is your brand. Do you have any insight on how to do that and how to use Instagram, for instance, or any kind of social media or which one do you think is the best one <laughs> to use right now? Yeah, it really depends on what your business is and what exactly you're marketing out there. I think anyone can use Instagram. Of course, if you look at a clothing lines Instagram compared to like an insurance agent's Instagram, it's going to be totally different mm. kinds of content and ways to reach people. But I do think that it can be beneficial. And especially right now, it's if you have a business of any kind and you're not on social media, I think you really are missing out on potentially getting more clients and more people and just reaching more people, I think is the biggest thing. So yeah, Instagram in general, that's probably the primary one that we focus on and use all the time. Like they're always coming out with new features. Reels are like the latest thing, which is basically like their version of TikTok essentially, which honestly has helped a lot. I didn't really know how to use them at first. It's a learning experience, all of these things on Instagram. Instagram has changed so much. Like I'm looking at when stories, you know, first came out, that was probably in like end of 2017, I think. Mm -hmm. And Snapchat was like, what the heck? They were taking our idea kind of thing. People didn't really use them. I, I remember starting out and they were like, oh, this is weird. Who's going to use Instagram stories? And now everyone uses Instagram stories because everyone has a really short attention span. I think what we humans have the attention span of a goldfish or something, something okay. I learned. <laughs> which is not very long. So the great thing about using stories is that you can just share these little snippets of what's going on um, and your behind the scenes kind of content, which people yeah. really like to see. And it's also a way to get feedback instantly. So like today I put up a poll just asking what people thought of these different colored sweatshirts. We want to do like purple sweatshirts and already have hundreds of votes. So that's great because I can easily make a decision in terms of which color I want to order. I know people are going to 
buy that product. And they're also going to be more excited because they feel like they were a part of that process and deciding, oh, okay, I helped you make that or I helped you pick that, which a lot of times it is through social media is just getting ideas from everyone is a great thing. But yeah, video is huge. If you can do video, like I think reels, I try to do one like once a week if possible. Sometimes it's harder than the other, but yeah, I made a reel that was literally like just snippets of pretty much bulk and bread and I think 30 seconds. And I was asking people to basically send me their stories and send me anything that they'd like to share because our website, it's a clothing store, but we also have these different components. So I think later on, we'll talk about how we have our own podcast, but we also have a blog. So I'm trying to restart this Meet the Diaspora series. So it's all about featuring different leaders, just pretty much anyone. If you have a cool story, like nine times out of 10, we'll probably share it. I think it's really important just to connect different people, no matter where you live. But Anyway, I made this reel and that's basically what I was asking people to do. And I didn't really know where it would go. Like on average, I'm just looking right now, like our reels, they usually get at least like 2000 views, which is pretty good. It's a lot easier to be seen on reels versus like maybe TikTok. I don't know. I think it depends for people. But for me, I've noticed I get more engagement on here. So that particular reel that I made, it got exponentially more views it got 15,000 views oh my gosh wow that's amazing I think a lot of times you just have to try and put stuff out there and sometimes it's a little discouraging because you might put a lot of time into a post or into something and then you're like why is it only getting five likes or why is it not why are people not seeing it and so then you go into this whole thing of blaming the Instagram algorithm which people tend to do quite a lot Um, (laughs) they always change things on the app and I've noticed like sometimes I'll be posting stories and they're not getting as many views or something like that but you just have to ride the wave try new things see what's out there I think educating yourself is huge no matter what kind of business you're in or industry it's important to stay on top of the trends that are currently going on so there's a couple of youtubers that I just watch and they talk about oh there's this new Instagram live feature or oh here's how I got this many followers and whatever time and so yeah take everything with a grain of salt but at the end of the day you need to be putting content out there that's resonating and obviously business solving a problem but how are you adding value to someone's life that's the most important thing Mm -hmm. yep but it's also going to be so overwhelming to filter yourself out it's a million and one fish in a small little like pond right now that's how it feels with instagram there's so many people on there there's so much content down there there's so much information there's so much I think in the past month, I've become exhausted from Instagram. And it's maybe because it's those people that are sending these reels. Oh, to get a thousand and something followers, you have to post five times a day or 20 times a week. And people are like, okay. So then there's so much that Mm -hmm. it's overwhelming for me as I can't, I had to take a break. Like this past couple of weeks, I just took a break from Instagram and I'm like, I can't see anymore. I can't learn anymore. I can't absorb all this content. It was just so much. And I feel like 
that a lot of people were feeling that way because even on my Instagram page, there was less activity. There was not as many people seeing stories and not as many likes, like you said. And I feel like, yeah, it could have been the algorithm, but I just feel like people are just so tired right Mm -hmm. now from all of that's going on. So that could be also a factor into why the engagement might be a little bit lower right now. Yeah, there's all kinds of things that go on to it. And what you're saying about being overwhelmed, I think social media burnout is such a real thing. And there are times when I have to set the daily screen limits on your phone or just like how much time you spend on a certain app and things like that. So I've definitely done that before. And what I've noticed to one of the YouTubers I was watching, she was saying that with the whole like views on stories thing, she was like, okay, I took a day or two off of stories. I didn't post anything. And I came back and her stories like exponentially got more views. So I've seen that happen too. Or I don't even know, sometimes it's random stuff that gets a lot of views. Like we were redoing this office that I'm sitting in. And it was like, I think it was a Sunday when I posted all this. And it was getting like, I don't even know. I think the one of the stories hit over like a thousand views and then the others were getting up there over 600, 700 views, which was like pretty above normal, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy. But I think if you're trying to start a business and if you're already working at another job or you just have a lot of other things going on in your life, I would say that quality is better than quantity by many means. If you can post really three really good posts on Instagram, let's say a week versus doing like 10 posts that aren't really that great. And they don't have the call to action, things like that. That's way better. Do the less posts that you feel really good about. I think that's the most important thing to keep in mind. I think planning ahead, doing, for instance, like every brand is different, but like for us, clothes, photo shoot at the start of every month and mm-hmm. get a bunch of photos and just schedule them out for the month. You're good mm-hmm. to go. You don't have to sit here, you know, every day trying to put together a bunch of content. Of course, that's easier said than done. Finding a photographer, finding models, finding all kinds of yeah. things like that. But At the end of the day, I've noticed that does really well. And I feel like I'm less stressed because Mm -hmm. I can put it into my management tool, whatever planning tool, if you will. And then, yeah, everything is just posted automatically. Is that kind of how your day in the life goes like Monday through Friday and you try to take weekends off or do you have a structured schedule? Because with entrepreneurs, they say, You don't have a nine to five. You kind of work either all day and all night or however it is that you need to get done. Some people are saying that's the downside of being an entrepreneur, having your own business is you never have a day off. (laughs) Go through your day in the life and do you take time off? Do you have scheduled days where you take off or go on vacation or any of that? Yeah, of course. I think you have to do those things for yourself. And one thing that really bothers me is how this whole like hustle culture, especially like entrepreneurship, sometimes they just glorify burning out. I have no idea why, Um, but it's like, you need to put in these many hours and you can't sleep and all these crazy things. And I'm just like, whoa, hold on a second. (laughs) First of all, we all have to sleep. That's a very important part of our health and our well-being. So you have to put that first. Of course, there's going to be instances where you're dealing with 
problem or a customer issue, and you might have to work on that outside of your traditional working hours. So you were asking just when I typically work. So the great thing about working for yourself is that you really have the ability to make your day look however you want it to look. And every single day doesn't look the same, which I personally like, because if it all looked the same, I would get super bored and just like inside my head. And some people enjoy that. They're like, I have to know what I'm doing every single day. And I have to have that kind of routine and whatever, which is totally fine. And I think there's ways to create a routine for yourself, but you don't necessarily have to do the same thing every day. Like today I did my workout in the middle of the day, which normally I do it in the morning. And then I start my work day after that. So it just kind of depends, but I would say, yeah, like Monday through Friday, we'll usually get up around I don't know like 6 30 7 o'clock try to go to the gym that's three times a week per se and then start working by 9 30 10 o'clock or so maybe finish the day around like five sometimes I'll work till six I mean, it just kind of depends on what I have going on but yeah it's pretty standard I think some people are like oh they just open their computer and they make two thousand dollars or something I have no idea why <laughs> but I feel like some people believe that and they're just like oh that's all it's easy like mm-hmm. it's easy to do whatever and that's not really how it works maybe later on down the line when you've built mm-hmm. a really substantial customer base you're going to outsource things you're not going to be hands-in on everything that's going on because you'll have a team that's helping you but yeah Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't burn yourself out. That's one thing I have to say. When you are starting out, yes, it's going to be difficult because you might have to come home from your nine to five and work on this. So basically, if it's something that you're really passionate about, that you really care about, and that has that story behind it, you're going to do it regardless of whatever's going on. But it's harder when you first start out, I would say for sure. Yeah. When did you know that you can leave your nine to five and really fully invest or did you fully invest right away? Yeah. So I started this business right before I graduated from college. So I did not have a corporate job lined up after graduating. My situation was pretty unique. Like obviously I started bulk and bread and then unfortunately, like right after I graduated, my dad passed away unexpectedly. And so that was just a very, probably one of the most difficult years. And so I wasn't even thinking about really finding a job. I ended up going to Bosnia for three months. I did some volunteer work down there, just helping kids in Mostar with learning entrepreneurship and different skills about content creation, which was super fun and rewarding for me. I continued to do this for that next year onwards into 2019. And then I wasn't making a whole lot of money. I was just starting out, obviously, but I was still making something, which was great. I wasn't losing out on too much money, which was also nice. But at the same time, it's okay. I should probably get a real job or I didn't really want to. It was just like a financial situation looking at it, which there is no shame in staying at a job because you have to have the paycheck. Everyone's situation is different. Everyone has bills they have to pay. You have to do what you have to do. That's what I ended up doing. And I was working as a social brand manager. So still social media, what I got my degree in, it was a startup environment. So pretty similar to what I was doing now. And I learned a lot from that job, just a lot of things, really great experience overall. And then going into 2020, I was still working for the company and eventually 
when coronavirus hit, we started working from home. I think everything shifted. Everyone that I've talked to, it doesn't matter if they work in the stock market or consulting or whatever profession, it affected their work life a oh, lot. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. that kind of started to happen. But I was like, you know what? It's okay. It's affecting everyone. And anyway, I won't go into like too much detail, but it was getting to the point where Balkan bread was growing a lot during COVID. Everyone was home. Everyone was shopping. I don't know if you had that shopping phase where you're <laughs> ordering a bunch of things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that started to happen. And I was like, okay, let's wait till this dies down because maybe that's just why I'm getting more sales. I have no idea. But it was still pretty consistent. And it got to the point where it was like, I was really miserable in the nine to five. Just I felt like what I was doing, I just, I was dreading waking up and going to work every day. I was like, I don't want to do this. And I was starting to find myself saying things like, I can't wait until I can just quit and leave and just things like that, which should have been an immediate indicator that I needed to get out of there. And yeah, it weighed down on me. It definitely affected my mental health quite a bit. And so I kind of had to just make that hard decision of, do I want to stay in this working environment or Mm -hmm. do I want to just really work on what I'm passionate about? Because if I put more time into it, I'm going to be able to do so much more. And so that's exactly what I ended up doing. Yeah, I quit my job during the pandemic. It's probably... (laughs) (laughs) I know most people were like getting laid off and I'm over here like I quit. Goodbye. You had other things in plan. So it's really, I think it just goes to show you're that kind of person. And if that's something that really matters to you and you know that you have the self-discipline to put it into something else, then absolutely go for it, do it. And I remember I was like terrified to do it. I was like, oh my God. Like, this is so scary. I don't know if I want to leave my job or what am I going to do? What are they going to say? What are they going to think of me? And all of these different things. But you know what? It was probably one of the best things that I've done for myself because after that happened, I could have the entire day dedicated to working on this versus before I was doing it on my lunch break. Literally, I would go on the computer and edit a podcast or do. I don't even know what I was doing, making <laughs> stories. Like literally, I was like, I need to work on my other business during my lunch break or whatever. Yeah. Come home, work on it. Weekend, do a photo shoot. And that's like the schedule that I was under. And I was commuting like an hour and a half to work every day. It was terrible. Mm. Don't ever do that. Uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> you have a, a choice and capability. Yeah, do not recommend. I think doing this is. 100% what I need to be working on. So you were like, I can't do this other job anymore. And plus you were already spending time on this Balkan bread. So every time you had free time, you were devoting a lot of your energy to that, which I feel like I can understand in a way because that's what I do with this podcast too. I have my job, but on those little moments where I have free time, <laughs> a break, you know, I'm working on something else. But then, like you said, that could be very draining and you're split into two different mindsets of trying to accomplish something. So if you're able to definitely make that next step, it's good because then you can really devote fully your mind, your energy to something. And then you won't feel as burnt out because you're trying to do two jobs or three different jobs. And you're just focused on the one that you're really passionate about. 
it's not easy. Like you said, it's not going to be an easy decision, but you really got to ask yourself like, okay, maybe do a pros and cons list. <laughs> yeah. You have to look at it too. Like, obviously your heart is telling you to do something, but then your head is telling you like, eh, is this really the most feasible decision? <laughs> so yeah, you just have to make sure that you're okay. I'm not saying quit your job if you don't have a plan or if you don't have a certain amount saved just in case or something. You have to take these calculated risks, if you will, because you're going to have to take risks either way. But I think there is such a thing as like doing something very blindly and then doing something that's scary, but like knowing that you're going to be okay because you already have the determination and you already have these people that are supporting you, which I think has been the biggest thing that's carried me up until this point. Mm. Who has been your biggest supporters? Obviously just from like an inner circle standpoint, like definitely my mom has always been super supportive of everything that I've done. Like she wears the sweatshirts all the time and just like super cool we had to take a picture together um which was funny for the little giveaway that we did with Balkan bites um so that was yeah. pretty fun oh, yeah, that was so cute <laughs> yeah, yeah. she's been super supportive and then um obviously my friends all the photos that you see like all the professional ones on our account like 99 of them are taken by my friend manella who she was the wedding photographer that i like talked oh, about earlier yeah and in general like there's definitely people in my personal life like everyone's supportive like the guy who does my taxes super supportive always gives me feedback and advice like literally so many people and then obviously instagram and just all the followers on there i think it's great to be able to interact with everyone just on a daily basis and talk to them see what's going on i like to spend like any new follower, I'll try to send them a message or like a voice note or something. I really do care about anyone that's going out of their way and taking the time to check out what we're doing because everyone has so many things going on in their lives. And so if they do happen to stumble upon the account and are like, whoa, this is really cool. I want to make sure that they're, you know, engaged and that they stay with us through that journey. Yeah, I really like that idea too. I feel like you do a lot of stuff, which is great. So you have your products that you sell and then you're working on social media and building that brand. I mean, you said you were doing a blog, a little bit of that. And then you also have your podcast. Tell me about that a little bit and why you started that. And what is it that you talk about on there? So that began in, I think it was like fall of 2018. And pretty much the whole reason was that I felt like there were a lot of stories or just conversations that I was having with people and just different things that we can all relate to just being from the Balkans. And I was like, why is there not like a platform where we can really have these conversations with each other and talk about these different issues. And so we even did a whole series, which we haven't really done an episode on this anymore, but it was pretty fun just starting out. So it was called Dating Diaspora. And basically I would just have different people on different nationalities, they're in a relationship, whatever, just talk about it. Because I think what happens a lot of times is I don't want to categorize anyone or anything, but just in general, like older generations, they tend to be a little bit more 
opposed to if you're mixing with a different religion, different nationality, whatever. Obviously, I feel indifferently to that. Our whole brand is about being inclusive and including everyone. So I thought it'd be interesting just to reach out to these people and hear more about what that whole relationship and just like process was like dealing with that, which was really cool. A lot of people did reach out after that. But yeah, like I think the first episode we ever recorded was just me um, by myself talking about how I started Balkan Bread because loads of people were like, how did this happen? How did you come up with the idea? Just like we're talking about now. And then after that, it's progressed into having all these different guests, people that are in different industries than I am and just learning from them and learning about, you know, what they do in their career. And I'm hoping that it's going to be a good example for the younger generation um, that does make up a lot of listeners or just Mm -hmm. anyone that's looking to maybe try something different with their life or become a real estate agent or I don't even know, stuff like that. And so I think it means a lot more when it's coming from someone who has a similar background to you. It just resonates more versus some random person starting that kind of career. But yeah, it really was just a matter of the business. I didn't really know anything about podcasting and I just kind of looked it up and I was like, okay, I think, yeah, the first episodes that that year probably that I recorded I did everything on my phone like I don't even think I had a microphone or anything and I think it's the same if you're doing like a YouTube channel people think you have to invest a bunch of money in a good camera and really what people care is about the content of course like taking away video quality and things but what you're actually talking about is more important than the sound like at least when you're first starting out kind of thing and eventually if people are starting to like that, then you can invest. You don't have to put all of your money into something right away. I think that's something people feel like they have to do, but you can't buy an expensive camera, hand it to someone, expect for them to know how to use it or think, oh, it's going to take a great picture. Like Manella has handed me her camera a thousand times and I'm still have no idea how you do this. Eventually I started to get, you know, better at it. But like before I was like, oh my God. And so it's the same thing with anything really yeah that's true that's true that's so cool though what is your podcast name is it just called balkan bread podcast yeah the reason that i just wanted to do that is because it's pretty searchable and it connects to you back to you so that's good and a lot of businesses do that nowadays where they are they already have a business they're selling a product and then they have that a podcast as just an extra thing that they do maybe talk more about what they do behind the scenes talk to people which is really cool and I think that's awesome that you're doing that what do you have in store any goals or anything else that you're working on that you want to share with the listeners we talked a little bit more about the pop-up shops and everything so that's definitely like probably the next major thing just to work on and I just get so excited thinking about it. Like I have all these ideas and I'm like, oh, it's going to be so cool because really what I'd like to do is if everything works out, maybe next year to do like a pop-up shop tour, create a little like a tour t-shirt and have all the different cities on it and literally just pack up my car and just drive around like the country, like documenting it and yeah, just meeting people. And (laughs) that would be really cool. (laughs) Like that's definitely in my mind. (laughs) That's so cool, dude. Oh my God. That would be so sick. Ah, I love that. We'll see. Um, But (laughs) yeah, that's definitely one thing. And then I started a YouTube channel, um, which is also uh, so kind of random, (laughs) but basically 
I started it the same reason for the podcast is like having this behind the scenes for people. So yeah, we put out YouTube videos, um, not really on a schedule at the moment, but if you want to see behind the scenes of photo shoots, we have quite a few on there. I did a vlog, like the first video that we posted, I think it was in September. Yeah, we went to Minnesota for my friend's wedding and they actually met because of Balkan Bread, which is mm. the reason we decided to vlog it was because a lot of people had already gotten to know them just through mm-hmm. you know, their posts and things like that. I think it even has like over a thousand views now, which is pretty funny. I looked at it the other day, so Very cool. um, that was pretty cool. But continuing that, like I'm redoing this office, so I want to document that journey and just other things. I want everything to be valuable that we put out there um, for people, but really pop-up shops, YouTube channel. I don't know what else. Like there could be something. I'm I think you, about. girl, you have so I'm much thinking, on your plate. I know it's a lot. <laughs> I don't know how you can, ha- you can do it all, but I love that you're just like push at it and you have so much, I feel like creativity and you just always have all these ideas. I could see why you're always like, okay, I can do this. I'm going to do this. Oh, I can do this. I, can. <laughs> I really like that about your personality. You're very smart and creative. And you're not afraid to like take those chances in different areas. Any last words or advice for our listeners? Thank you guys for listening to the story. If you listen the entire way, we really appreciate it. And if there's something that you want to go out there and try and just do and see what happens, I would say just go for it. Take one little step towards it and see what happens because That's essentially what I ended up doing. And here we are today. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you guys for listening. And thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for being here and sharing about your journey, sharing about how you got to where you are, Balkan Bread, what it's all about. I really love the whole concept of it. I wish you continued success on it to keep seeing your name out there. And I look forward to ordering my shirts and I'm going to order one of those glass cups because I think those are so cool. We can find you at Balkan Bread on Instagram and then you're on YouTube and you have their podcast and just everything is connected on your Instagram page. So I think you also have a website as well where people can go and shop and get their gear and whatever else that they want, like your sweatshirts and your shirts. Check it out, guys. Check out Balkan Bread. Amina, thank you so much again for being here. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Bota Podcast. Follow Amina at Balkan Bread. And don't forget to leave a five-star review or any kind of comments on this episode in Apple iTunes. Thanks so much and catch you next week.